everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. This is our ninth anniversary of this show being on the air. Happy anniversary, Nikki. And we just celebrated our 21st anniversary. Uh, Wedding anniversary. Luckiest woman in the world, I I just have to say. Don't and I here look, we are. Don't I look happy? And we're surround. We're surround. <laughs> I'm the picture. This of is happy. radio. They can't look. Well, we're on, we'll be on Facebook Live <coughs> soon enough. Excuse me. All right, and we're surrounded by friends, old friends and new friends, uh, many who've been on the show before. We've got a guy with us who's actually my former you know, emergency co-host, and he's a longtime friend, David Hagedorn, who is a noted food journalist, food and wine journalist. He's noted, uh, all right. And he's got a new book out. <laughs> called Rasika, Flavors of India. Uh, Rasika is the, really, at this point, the world-famous Indian restaurant here, fine dining restaurant. Restaurant of the year mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago, the, won the Rami for that. Ashok Bajaj won the restaurant tour of the year last year. Am I right? Good. And now there's a new cookbook. David collaborated with Vikram Sundaram and uh, okay. Ashok on that. Wrap and, it up. Let's well, go. it's a beautiful Next book. Next one. All okay, right. very good. We're very excited to talk to you. I'm just but we need to move on. And I'm excited to talk eventually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> also, also in studio, I don't know if anybody out there has read the dining guide that is out right now, but we have two of the top ten in studio today. We're very excited. The Fried Rice Collective is here. The guys behind uh, Chai Co. I think Chinese, Korean. Chai Co. That's what I have to say in my head every time. Time before I say it out loud. You can't say Chico. I know. Danny Lee, Scott Renault, and Drew Kim are all in studio. They were number eight, correct? Uh, on the list, which is so exciting. And then number nine on the list, so not far behind, Kyle Bailey, who just opened up the also equally delicious the salt awesome line. salt line. Uh, and his wife, Tiffany McIsaac, is in studio, although she insists she's not saying anything. I can't imagine if we put a mic in front of her face, she might not say something. All right, and Fight Night, which is the annual unbelievable event at the Hilton every year that involves boxing and cigar smoking and a great uh, guys night out uh, to benefit Fight for Children, which helps children in uh, really D.C. primarily uh, receive quality early education. That event's coming up. We've got uh, Fight, uh, excuse me, Fight for Children, COO Keith Gordon in to talk all about it in a sec. Yeah, that'll be great. And Chris Hoke, look at you. Chris, now I'm going to say it right. Vuv Clicquot. Vuv. It rhymes with love. But everybody says vuv. Uh, actually, the, the Google says verb. Verb click. Yeah, but Google is wrong. Well, not everything you read on the internet is correct. Right, not if not you have everything. Google stock, they're not <laughs> okay. wrong. But uh, he's in today, and we're going to be toasting the show. Yes. So let's start with our Just buddy quickly. Mitch Berliner, who's on the phone. He's at Central Farm Markets. Mitch, are you there? Yes, I am. Good morning. Congratulations. Thank on you. Thirtieth. 30th anniversary. I did the math. Yeah, no, exactly. you added all that. That's, that's longer than I've been married to other people. It's great. It's also very true. Right. <laughs> okay, but of course, you said I couldn't see, and your listeners couldn't see, but I feel the happiness with you guys. <laughs> Thanks, I'm Mitch. Telling you, Especially hers. All right, well, Mitch, tell <laughs> us about what's going on at market today, please. Well, it be my pleasure. First of all, uh, once a year, the uh, Bethesda Art Festival um forces us to close Bethesda, but we're open up in Mosaic, so mm-hmm. come down and visit. 
It's, uh, how many stalls? How many stalls do you have at Mosaic? We have fifty plus uh, stalls at Mosaic. Uh, artisan food producers, great farmers, and it's not all the same as um, you know. It's, we there's some of our anchors at all three of our farm markets, mm -hmm. but there's also some different people. So you know, take a ride out to Mosaic. It's a beautiful mixed-use uh, community, and uh, it's. Uh, definitely worth the ride, and uh, just this is important for your viewers in Maryland to know that uh, they've lifted uh, the requirement of visas. You don't need a shot to go over the river anymore. So that's not the Iron Curtain. We don't we don't have viewers in Maryland. We have listeners, but that's okay, Mitch. <laughs> we understand. I, I don't know what you're seeing. You probably had a rough night last night. So all right. Well, so you've got. I didn't have to get up at five. Yeah, that's true. Central Farm Markets. <laughs> You're at the Bethesda Elementary location in Bethesda. You're out at Mosaic, and mm -hmm. you are where else? Pike and Saturday. That's right. Pike and Rose. And we'll be telling you in another uh, few weeks about all the things we have coming up for Thanksgiving. We've got all the Thanksgiving needs from smoked turkeys to sides to pies. So we'll be fresh. telling you all about all right. that. Fresh turkeys, of course. And can I find meat crafters at all three uh, uh, locations? Absolutely. That's so kind of you to say that. Meat Craft is available at all three essential farm market locations. We'll also have skinny salamis. Oh, yeah, you know, those they're are my the favorite. They're those, my favorite. Dude, those are the best. Thank you. Well, that's available on Amazon.com, Balducci's, and other soon to be available at Mom's. So, uh, yeah, we're making headway. All right, right bud. All right, Mitch. We'll Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. And again, congratulations. I want to shout out also to Drew, who's a really terrific guy, and David. I really think the world that he likes all of you very he much. Likes, he's shouting out to you, but he, you can't hear. For once, you can't hear Mitch. Go figure that. All right, Mitch, thanks a lot. Take care. All right, Chris, step up to that mic. Why do so many people pronounce something that should be so easily pronounced? Well, seeing as how French is not the first language in the United States, there's a little bit lost in translation. She says vouve. Google says verve. I think Lorenzo and I said vouve. <laughs> vouve. Okay. So, but, but it doesn't really matter like how you love. pronounce it. It's it's vuv, as in rhymes with love. Vuv okay. Clicquot. And it is and the most yummy champagne ever. Okay, it is so delicious. tell us a little bit about the wine. So the wine we have today is Vuv Clicquot's 2008 Brut. Mm-hmm. This is mostly Pinot Noir, around 61%, 34% Chardonnay, and 5% Meunier. But uh, give us a little bit of background on the wine house, because it has an incredible reputation. Well, that's for a very good reason. Mm -hmm. Madame Clicquot, who was um, a giant in the field, her, her nickname was La Grande Dame, the great woman. And she was. I'm going for that too. I'd like to be called that as well. Yeah, but she was literally a giant. You're in not. Case. She literally was. She was all about four foot five, four foot six inches tall. But she was. We're uh, close. She was. Yes, maybe. But she was really an, an incredible innovator in in champagne. She invented uh, clear champagne. Uh, until then, everyone was drinking cloudy champagne because no one had figured out how to get the lees out of the bottle yet mm -hmm. she invented this process through okay uh, just back up for one sec for people who don't know what are lees lees are uh for particles? i guess there's not a yes they're the particles they are essentially the dead bodies of the yeast that do all the heavy lifting and really making sexy. champagne i'm drinking now dead I really bodies. Like that. so that's why we call them lees instead okay. of dead dead, dead yeast bodies, bodies. <laughs> right <laughs> So Madame Clicquot invented the process. She took her kitchen table, uh, put it on its side, drilled some holes, stuck a bottle in it, 
and then slowly over the course of a couple of weeks shook it and turned it until the bottle went from sideways all the way to where the cork was pointing down mm-hmm. and then all the lees settled at the bottom bottom of the of the bottle right at the neck she dipped it in a freezing solution turned it over popped the cork all that the dead the lees all ah. they all shot out she added a little bit of a little bit of wine a little bit of sugar and put a new cork in it, and that's how she ended up with clear champagne. And that's where and the phrase "put a cork in it" comes from. <laughs> and that was actually an industry true. secret no. for ten years. Afterwards, nobody else in Champagne had clear champagne except for Madame Clicquot for ten years. Very All right. cool. All right. Well, we'll find out more when we talk to you later in the show. Do you want to? We're going to allow you to pour a bunch of that You want me to pop it? You got it. I would like to hear a pop. Who doesn't want to hear a pop? Huh? While we turn to the urbane and irascible. David Haggard. <laughs> so Yay. I'm Rassible. You were gonna you're Rassible. All right, I so am. we're gonna talk about Rassica mostly, but talk talk about you first. How'd you you were a chef oh, at a restaurant I, Wait, no, I can't I, talk about me. Time. I know, God, no. <laughs> no, no, it's only an hour show. Okay, so. and you only have eight minutes. Well, it all started in nineteen fifty. Oh wait, no, I don't know. No, yeah. okay. Uh, yes, a chef and restaurateur. I was in the business for twenty five years. I had two restaurants and uh then, as I like to say, I went from the worst way to make a living to the second worst <laughs> way to make a living. And yeah, you haven't been became in marketing, a writer. trust me. <laughs> and you've been writing all around town and uh, for national publications as well for yes. quite a long time. Um, but when you did get into cookbook writing, yes. like what, like six years ago, seven years ago? Something like that, yes. Okay. So you worked with Fabio Trabocchi? No, Todd no, and Ellen Gray. Todd and Ellen, Todd Gray. And Ellen Gray, sorry. Um, he's just friends with Fabio Trabocchi. Yeah. <laughs> Friend of, right. And then, and now the Rossica book. But this one is, I mean, Indian food, I think people love to go out to, but I don't, unless you grew up cooking Indian food, I think it feels very intimidating. How did you go about putting this, these recipes together and putting the book together in a way that wouldn't feel intimidating to other people? Well, that, of course, was the biggest challenge, especially in a time where People want three ingredients, you know, made in five minutes. You know, here we were writing a book that, for a cuisine that classically calls for a lot of ingredients. So it was my job to figure out a way to make it accessible to home cooks, and Mm -hmm. so it would seem not daunting. And, in fact, it's not a daunting way to cook. It's not about really um, complex techniques. Yeah, but you're using spices people are not always familiar with and i think well, that's the scary part. that's that's true but in fact um once i put everything together i realized that the ingredients called for in the book were not so many more than what a good cook would have in their pantry in the first place can we but just all raise a glass quickly i'm going to interrupt cheers everybody cheers. thank you all for joining cheers. us today cheers to everybody's to success everybody's thank you cheers cheers <laughs> all right oh you just lost 30 seconds okay sorry um but no but I, but I think that there is a real, um, people really adore the cuisine, and there's a lot of health benefits to the cuisine, but some of the ingredients may seem scary or foreign, and you, you really take the time to explain it well, in here. Well, I want to say, I mean, I didn't read the whole book, because I never do, but, but <laughs> when you talk about cumin, for example, people sort of have a, you know, they, they're not sure what <laughs> it is. You look at the pictures, exactly. Really, well, that's all I can read. Um, um, but I mean, you really explain what it is and and how to mm. use it, and I think that's that's kind of that that barrier between you know trying to cook Indian food at home and particularly when you're not you know that familiar. Right. And over uh, over forty recipes in the book call for cumin, so it's really one of the really the base spices in Indian cooking. But it's something that most people have in their spice cabinet anyway, especially people who uh, you know make say Tex-Mex food at home. Right. No, it's not that. 
foreign. What would you say if you were to pick three recipes that you were like, this is now part of my, you know, now that you're making it at home now, like what are three recipes that you're like, yeah, this is something I could do on a night I'm going out or on a night, you know, well, on a night that we stay in, I make the masala popcorn quite a bit. It's something they serve at the bar sometimes. I love that masala I mean, it's popcorn. a bag of microwave popcorn that you cook up, but you add all kinds of seeds, fennel seeds and cumin seeds and um, Thai chilies and mm -hmm. uh, curry leaves. And it's just so delicious. It's a, a explosion of flavor with every bite. And I can really go through a whole bag myself in about 10 minutes. Well, I don't need a lot of help with popcorn, but yeah, that sounds really bring delicious. <coughs> don't bring any in. And I love the cr the cream spinach recipe. It's mm -hmm. it's a vibrant green. It's not the way that Americans know how to make um, cream spinach, which is usually with a heavy white sauce and lots of cream. It's a dish that seems very rich, but it really only has a it has a quarter of a cup of cream in it to mm -hmm. make like eight servings. And it's actually uh, very light. It's just a beautiful, easy dish to make. And what about some of the more classic Indian dishes? Are there any for, like, the beginner? Are there any that you're like, here's a good place to start. It's an excellent introduction. I would start you here, and then you can ramp up. Well, any of the curries are probably the best place to start. The mm -hmm. chicken green masala is uh, just really takes minutes to put together. And uh, the tikka masala, uh, tar tar tariwala murk is another chicken curry. Uh, there and lobster moily, there is an, mm -hmm. another curry. The curries are really easy uh, to put together and come together. It's like anything else. Uh, as long as the preparation is done ahead of time, say like in Chinese cooking, that a stir fry really only takes a few minutes to make. It's, right, you just have to get all the right. Mise but you en really place. do have to get your mise en place done and mm -hmm. out of the way, and then it comes okay, together plus. very quickly. Okay. Okay. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, what I would like to know is where we can get the book and uh, where you'll be doing book signings. We'll get all of that when we get back. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We're toasting nine years. We'll be back in just a sec. Hi, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis celebrating our ninth anniversary on the air. We're talking to David Hagedorn, who has co-authored Rasika, Flavors of India, the new Rasika cookbook. What's it like? You know, you you collaborated with Vikram Sundaram, who is the, the fabulous exec chef there. Yes. Well, and James Beard Award winning. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so, you know, obviously you've got How to... How do you collaborate? Get to the question. Let's I'm go. asking it my way. Well, uh, the... My God, is anybody else here married? Help! They're all married. The... God. Once we laid out the book and then figured out what dishes we were going to make, we scheduled days at, at uh, my house because... The book is for home cooks, and so the food needed to be made in a home cook's kitchen, mm -hmm. not, you know, a very high-powered stove in a restaurant. Plus, there are many fewer distractions at my house than there are in restaurants. So uh, Vikram would come over. We'd make three or four dishes that were all mapped out. He'd come all prepared, and we would crank them out. We'd remake them, and um, he was really a dream to work with. And you know that someone's going to be a great collaborator when they insist on doing the dishes. Absolutely. Before they leave. Oh, right. that would make me a great collaborator. You would be a great collaborator. Except I did tell him the first time. I said, Vikram, you really don't have to do that. I said, you know I'm going to rearrange the dishwasher after you leave, right? <laughs> because I'm OCD. <laughs> right. All right. And did Ashok have input as well? Of course I mean, he obviously... did. If you read the book, you would well, hear the stories me. of do Ashok I, I, in the book. I would like to point out that I am also one of the hosts of the show. So could I ask my questions? <laughs> okay, but ask a I want to know. Question. I want to know at what point he came into this and read everything yeah. and... Well, I mean, uh, Shook had input in choosing which recipes were going to go in the book. 
and then but he was he wasn't he wasn't at, at my house with Vikram and me we were doing the cooking and developing the recipes together and then he made comments in all most of the head notes in the book and of course his story in in the beginning and um he read the book uh the draft and mm-hmm. had input into that and made changes as he mm-hmm. as he wished so all right so where no. can people find the book and i know you have a book signing today but are there going to be some other book signings there are going to be more book signings there's going mm-hmm. to be one at and Bread- everybody in this room has to go to all at of them bread first throwing us one and in november but we haven't settled on the date yet mm-hmm. and um uh, amanda mcclements is hosting one at salt and sundry closer to the holidays on 14th street or out at uh, at uh, union, union market, market. Uh, i believe but well we haven't figured that out yet and okay. as soon as we do we will tell you and you'll tell the world we'll tell everybody yeah. and um of course it's on amazon it's at barnes and noble there will be um a signing at uh, politics and prose and you can look at their website to find out when that's going to be Great. okay well, so beautiful gorgeous book Rasika. By David Hagen. Thank you. Way go buy it. Go, go buy it. The right. holidays are just around the corner. Right. <laughs> Chris, let's go back to you and talk about Verve. <laughs> Quick go. So, okay, so well, what you just poured. Yes. Tell us just what the difference is going to be with the next one that you're pouring. Because well, I think a lot of people don't realize that there's real complexities to the wine based on the different kinds that you pour, even though it's from the same house. Yes. Each, each wine, the Brut and Rosé, the for the House of Clicquot, the real difference is the addition of still red Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. We make and vinify Pinot Noir separately, blend that in. Otherwise, the exact proportions for the House of Clicquot are exactly the same. A lot of uh, champagne houses will end up uh, creating different blends with the Pinot Noir, still red Pinot Noir. But with Clicquot, the rosé is has the exact same percentage as of, of wines as the Brut, with the exception of a certain percentage of still red Pinot Noir being added in. Okay, cool. All what right, you so you're going to pour that next? Yep. I've got the 2008 uh, Rosé. All right, thank Beautiful. you so much. All right, pop that. All right. Okay. Well, speaking of Brutes. Scott Juno, Drew Kim, and uh, Danny Lee are in, and um, <clears throat> they've got a whole new operation. It's called the Fried Rice Collaborative. Collective. 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 I mean, oh, wow. Oh, Did you do God. any research on your guests? Oh, or what? There, goes, <laughs> there goes the I brand. Soon the show is just going to be called Foodie. <laughs> That's all right. And you know what? When it's called Foodie, there won't be any laughter. That's a problem. All right. So, so let's do a quick 411 on you guys. Scott, I mean. Well, Scott you and Danny have both been on this show an yeah, awful lot. Do. And I, if someone's a new listener, Scott, you I, came I, to if us. If you would let me finish what I'm saying. You were at the source. I was actually here for your best show ever when I subbed for you when you were away. <laughs> that was a really good show. Really good I show. think Scott was doing shots like before. You the better show have started. someone start your car. Okay. Um, so just let's just do everybody do like a 30 second. This is who I am. So Scott, just give a quick 30 second. This is who I am. This is what I do. I'm Scott Trunow. <laughs> that doesn't uh, help. I collaborate in a collective with Drew Kim and Danny Lee on uh, mm-hmm. the Fried Rice Collective. Okay, but you came from the source. You work with Wolfgang Puck. I work for Wolfgang Puck for a long time. I work for Wolfgang Puck for a long time, and uh, you know, uh, Drew and Danny wooed me, uh, mm-hmm. and I, uh, I left and uh, started working with them four months ago. So thank you. Couldn't be happier. Okay, Danny, quick four on one. You've been here before. You're with Mandu. Give us just like because you're still running the two. Well, there's one man do. The other one is gonna gonna reopen. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so I'm Danny Lee. Uh, came from, well, my mom and I opened up a restaurant called Mandu uh, almost 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is uh, undergoing construction right now due to an unfortunate accident. Yes. Uh, but we still have like, one on K Street open. And then uh, in addition to Scott being wooed, I got wooed by the beautiful Andrew Kim, who's right next to me with mm-hmm. his, his piercing eyes. Yeah. Let me hear you say woo. You woo. Like, all, right, okay. all right, and where'd you Sorry. come from, Drew? I came from a long dirt road in West Virginia. No, seriously. You can tell by his accent. Um, Matchbox Food Group uh, mm-hmm. back in 2002. We started okay. here. So, and uh, always had um, always had the notion I wanted to do an uh, Asian concept and what better Asian to collaborate with and <laughs> the, the <laughs> Danny Lee and Scott Drunell. Right. 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 All right. So, let's talk about Chico. Let's, I mean, what's the idea there? Because, you know, you know, Scott in particular was, you know, was one of the, the you know, top restaurants in town, and it was very shishi and all of that. And now you can walk in and see you guys behind the counter. So tell us about it. Somebody. Scott, go ahead, Somebody's got to say Scott, something. <laughs> the shy Well, West so Virginia. we, you know, we, we wanted to put something together that was a little uh, informal, a little, a little more casual. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what, what better place to, to go to work wearing jeans and a T-shirt every day? So, uh, you know, I, I give these guys huge props. I tell people all the time that, you know, we only have 14 menu items, and um, these these guys have knocked it out of the park with uh, you know the execution, and it's been it's been it's been flat out phenomenal. Well, so let's talk about how you two, um, Danny and Scott, collaborated, taking each of your sort of like what was you're passionate about when you're cooking and came together because you have a lot of dishes that are real collaborations on both of your style of cuisines. Wait. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people make the mistake thinking we're doing Chinese and Korean fusion. Well, uh, it's because your name is Chai Ko. Yeah, well, we're, what we're doing is we're the, trying to feature kind of the problem. <laughs> yeah, we're doing modern Chinese dishes, modern Korean dishes, but you know, where they they share the same venue. So in terms of the collaboration, uh, people ask us all the time what our favorite dishes are, mm-hmm. um, and, and you're like, is, I love all of mine. <laughs> we, no, we no, we we collaborated on every single dish you mm-hmm. know uh so basically before we opened we basically locked ourselves in the kitchen and we just cooked for each other uh the dishes that we wanted to feature on the menu and mm-hmm. then we sat down and dissected them well since it's a fast casual concept but you're but the dishes that you have having been there multiple times are not fast casual dishes i mean you have very high-end ingredients <clears throat> and really um you know interesting Offerings. I mean, it's not what you no, get. No, you would find them on the on, the on menu a fine dining a, menu. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, do you find that like when people come in, they're they're kind of caught off guard? I mean, if they know you and they know your food, that that's not a problem. But for other people, is that a? Do you know what I mean? Like, well, I think it's a. Uh, you know, you don't get bluefish everywhere. Like that doesn't just happen. We did it, but uh, you know, we kind of are in a new new territory. Mm-hmm. We kind of created something that's a little bit different than a fast casual place, a fine dining place, a casual place. It's more of a. Something different, which is what you know we want. Yeah, there's to do, no box for you guys yeah, because no, you also uh, have the yeah. table. Yeah, I we just also want... have the kitchen the counter. Where we do yeah. tasting menu, but you know, primarily we're just a walk-in restaurant, and you can, you know, like David said, we can show up wearing you know jeans and flip-flops and which he really tops. likes. And uh, super casual. I'm gonna try coming naked and see what happens. <laughs> oh, you're more than welcome. See, I mean, people keep eating. You will be charged you double. You can just wear your new Chico, uh, yeah. your new Chico t-shirt, and nothing else. The place will be cleared out. Boys, I'm here. Last call. How do you know? How do you know we'll be jammed? <laughs> yeah. So basically, we just try to make impactful, flavorful food, and Danny and I and uh, Drew just kind of will make a dish, and then we'll all say, "Hey, we think it needs acid. We think it needs this. We think adding this." Or taking this away can 
could make it more impactful. So the three of us just kind of talk about, you know, every aspect of the operation, whether it's the food, the, the menu, the decor. Well, the... let's talk a little bit. Well, so Natalie Park did the decor. Uh, well, Natalie, uh, my wife, um, she has her own design studio, and right. her and Drew kind of collaborated on uh, more of the, the design of the, the place. Aesthetic. We didn't have to do much to this space. It was mm -hmm. basically stopping on some paint, uh, getting the neon up, um, just That's getting a, that kind of the overall tell aesthetic. tell them our secrets. We worked really hard on <laughs> Yes, <that>. right. <laughs> sweat, blood, sweat, and tears, yeah. right? Well, and what about, so can we just talk a little mm -hmm. bit about the chef's table so people have an idea what that's like? Because it's really... I mean, I think you're charging too little. It's such an amazing. <laughs> I thought it was too much. It was five. No, it's an amazing yeah, but he's cheap, way so. to get to see everything that you guys are doing. It's such an amazing experience. Yeah. So it's so the kitchen counter. There are four seats, which uh, you can reserve uh, one at six o'clock, and the other reservations at eight thirty at TacoDC.com. Mm -hmm. okay. Thank you. Uh, but basically, um, when Scott and I were talking about the menu, Scott was like, "Well, we should do something that's called eat the menu." Uh, where we could pretty much not do off-menu items as a tasting menu, but we basically figured out a format where when guests come in and sit at the counter, uh, in one visit they can experience almost every single dish that we offer, we including our snacks. We did it. It was nuts. We did it with Michael it and David. Great. It was fabulous. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's a definite experience. I mean, how far out is that booked at this point? 30 days. 30 so days. It's 30 days. It opens at midnight, 30 days from you know tonight at midnight. And okay. uh, thankfully we're, we're booked, so... Um, Okay, and last thing, you guys are also doing some pop-ups, yep. right? Like some industry night things and some late night things. What are you guys yeah, have so coming Yeah, so we started up? a series called uh, Chico After Dark, right. um, where we're basically uh, you know, inviting guest chefs, winemakers, you know, whoever to come hang out with us late at night, um, you know, once or twice a month. And mm -hmm. there's no real rhyme or reason to the schedule. We just kind of... You're just winging it. We're just kind of... Going with it. Uh, and next what's up, the turnout been like for that? Uh, it's great. It's you know, it's awesome. first we had Alex McCoy, and then we had Matt Hill, and next we have uh, Sheldon, who's uh, from Tin Roof in um, Maui. Mm -hmm. what, what, what are your hours? Because anybody hearing this, you want know, to make sure they come by at the right time. So uh, we're we're open every day at five o'clock. Right. Uh, five till. 10 on Sunday, 11 o'clock, Monday through Thursday, and then midnight on the weekends. So it's okay. not a lunch place. No. Not a lunch place. It's a dinner place. Yeah. Dinner all, but we do a lot of catering, so that's you know, part of the reason we don't do lunch is we do a lot of preparation for offsite events. So if you want me and Danny and Drew to come to your house, you know, we'll come cook your house. Please, we'll cook, not, not that. We'll cook your wedding, no, you know, no. graduation. But you also do takeaway, right? A lot of takeaway, takeaway. A lot of takeout. Take um, Online ordering, we have a, we have an app. Uh, that was made for us by Leading DC. Yeah. The great Leading DC. Johnny R. Yeah, we have gotten a few accolades that we kind of attest that to John and his company, Leading DC, kind of guiding us uh, mm -hmm. with what to do and how to promote it. And so. All right, let's make sure everybody knows where you guys are because we got to do a commercial. Where Four, are you? 423 8th Street, uh, Capitol Hill, Barrick's Row. Barrick's Row. Southeast. Thanks, guys. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. Uh, we'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. This is our ninth anniversary celebration show, nine years on the air. I want to thank our, our loyal sponsors, ProFish, Market at River Falls, Celebrity Cruises, Central Farm Markets, and Meat Crafters, a new sponsor mm -hmm. of the show. Yeah. All right, so Chris, let's go back to you. Um, the style of champagne produced by Clico differs from, you know, the the competition. First of all, who do you consider your your? I mean, when you look across the the street, who's your main competitor out there on the shelves, and how are you different from them? 
our main competitor would actually happen to be a family member, Moet. <laughs> right. So it's as long as it's all in the family, I think it's pretty pretty much all good. Mm -hmm. So uh, the style of Moet is a little bit different. Um, in Champagne as a region, Pinot Noir is the predominant grape by only a couple of percentage points. Everything, all three of the primary grapes are in the 30s. So 38, 32, 34, around there. So Moet's vineyards reflect that and the wine reflects that. Whereas Clicquot has a much higher percentage of Pinot Noir. So mm -hmm. Clicquot is very, very Pinot Noir driven with a lot of structure uh, coming from that Pinot Noir. It's most, most blends of Clicquot are at least around 40 to 50%, some are higher. Okay. So um, in the next wine that you're pouring, tell us a little bit about the complexities of that. So this is a La Grande Dame, named after, obviously, Madame right, Clicquot. What, what, what is the differences between the like a regular bottle of Veuve Clicquot versus a Grande Dame? So the 2008 vintages are made from primarily Premier Cru fruit. In okay. Champagne, they're, the different vineyards, or villages really, are rated according to the quality. So mm -hmm. Grand Cru are the best. Premier crew are next, and then the village level is is the lowest tier. So the vintages are made from primarily Premier Cru fruit, and La Grande Dame is made from only Grand Cru fruit, only the best. But what, I mean, when you get right down to what each one tastes like, what are the differences? Just deeper, richer, more complex. So you're you're using the best the so best. A guy fruit. like me wouldn't notice a difference. No. The beast might not, but the foodie <laughs> no, definitely will. No, but you can will. taste the differences. I think. Well, let's pop this one, and then we can all decide. All right. And let's pop into a conversation with one of my favorite people. I've known you a long time. We have. Yep. Hi. Chef Kyle Bailey uh, has just opened with his partners, uh, Salt Line, down on the waterfront. Well, kind of on the waterfront. It's right on the water. That's literally on the water. I keep thinking about the, all the, the fountains and everything. Salt Line is one of the great new restaurants in town. Number nine. No question about it. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. So what, let's talk about you first. Where where'd you come from? A little dirt road in West Virginia? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I came to D.C. in 2009 with my wife, Tiffany, and we opened Virgin Barley. Mm -hmm. right. Tiffany McIsaac, Buttercream. Hmm? Buttercream Bakery. Yeah. Buttercream Bakery, the best bake shop in town. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. um, and we, uh, you know, we kicked around D.C. Uh, a bunch and, and finally got our own spots. Um, uh, yeah, and then we... Um, yeah, open the salt line. Yeah. Okay, but what was so? Doesn't sound like a lot of hard work. I know you make it sound really easy, <laughs> and we know easy, that it wasn't. Okay, so let's talk about the concept of the salt line. First of all, you opened up in a brand new building, sort of in an area that is just now developing, because you're behind the state, like behind the stadium on the water, and they just sort of developed this whole area there. Yeah, the um, the the area is amazing. It's 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 up and coming in, in such an amazing way. Mm -hmm. um, there's so much going uh, on down there. So we're like, you, you can see the first base uh, entrance from our front door. We're su super duper close, and on the other side is the water. So we're right there on this waterfront. Mm -hmm. um, That's been totally renovated. I mean, they oh, just yeah. it's so you gorgeous. It's beautiful. A gorgeous patio with fountains next to it and mm -hmm. the whole thing. That's all yours it's, to use. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, General De General Design Co. Uh, helped us with the design for the restaurant, mm -hmm. uh, and they did uh, su such an amazing job. But talk about the menu because the food. Well, that's that what I meant. The concept. Let's talk you about the it, concept. You got it. So. Um, you know, think of um, New England seafood restaurant, uh, definitely oysters um, um, uh, by way mm. of Chesapeake, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, where, do they, where do the two meet? Um, think homey, think comfortable, think um, uh, delicious food. And, and I didn't even really know what New England cuisine, what that meant. Um, 
Not Chowder. Laughter <laughs> yeah, um, And beer. Yeah, and uh, and go to uh, we we know we we went to New England and we we did a a lot of eating and it was like um, these are ingredients. That Sounds don't, like a don't business really I should be in. <laughs> that, was, right. uh, that was the best part of this show. Yeah. But it sounds like I mean, just because you and I've had conversations before, like when you went on that trip, you had a lot of very eye opening experiences. Like for example, that roast beef sandwich that you do, which I knew, you know, growing up, um, going to school in Boston, like that's a real Boston staple but you didn't know about it you know what i mean so like you learn these things through travels and learning about the way other people eat how how do you feel like you don't chef things up too much how do you feel like you've put your your sort of spin on those things um so that's that's definitely um something we, we were focusing on is not making it too chefy not not no, not too many touches mm-hmm. don't want to make things fussy or pretentious um the idea was let's uh let's just do it the hard way man let's do it the old school way and mm-hmm. um but that's the point. When it's really quality food, you don't have to screw around with it too much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about like something like your stuffies. What was the? That doesn't sound right. Yes, but that's what they're called. <laughs> I didn't make that, that up. You call yours the stuffies? Yeah, stuffies. Yeah, yeah they're stuffies. called. That's that's weird. A, that's a, well, I didn't invent that. That was a thing. I know, but I never saw those before. So, like, yeah. where did those come from? Um, super duper classic New England. It's, okay. Um, you know, you 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 take clams and you um you cook them and you make a clam stuffing and put it back in the shell mm-hmm. and uh, bake it. They're so yummy. Thank you very much. Um, okay, so as you're putting together the menu and working with your partners, were there things that people were like, no, this has to be on, this has to be off, and how did you guys work together? Um, everyone has an opinion. and, um, and <laughs> we then, know, Everybody knows what opinions are like. Yes, we all know what that is. Uh, Little like then, opinions. <laughs> this is a family show. And then uh, <laughs> you finally get to the point, you know, you get to day one and you're with the opening menu, and it, it becomes very apparent very quickly what stays and what goes. Well, we were okay. there for... for Friends and know, family. Friends and family. Uh, listen, one bite of that roast beef sandwich. Mm. Goodbye. Good night. And the burger. But, like, it's the a burger seafood. Too, but it's burgers a, but it is crazy. a seafood restaurant. And you have really interesting relationships with people to, people in the seafood industry. Why was that so important to you? Um, you, you know, I, I wanted to do the local thing. I wanted to do um, – uh, we're a part of a, a, a program called Dr. Dish. Where right. we get uh, this crazy, crazy um, – Super duper fresh fish, um, right out of the bay mm-hmm. um, and surrounding waters. And we're we're helping out these local fishermen, and um, um, but it's it's just better food. It's just it's it's um, and we're 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 trying to use underutilized um, ingredients as well. To, um, eels is a big one. You know, there's there are eels everywhere in the Chesapeake, and um, uh, nobody's eating them, so we're trying to find ways to to serve them. Well, I think when people think of eel, they think of sushi. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. their only, yeah. like, that's the only way I think about sushi being, I mean, eel being served is in a, you know, with that thick, sweet sauce Unagi, on top. Yeah. And so how do you go about introducing something like that to people? Because so, uh, eel is like snake, right? No, it's fish. It is, uh, it is 100% fish. Okay. It's, uh, it looks like and it's, it's meaty and delicious. That's a calumny heaped upon <laughs> eels, but they are not snakes. Um, a, lo- a lot of cultures have been eating eels for a long time. So there's, mm-hmm. there's these, um, you know, um, these recipes that are super duper classic, super old, um, you know, it roasts well, it grills, it fries, and it, it's it's So how are you fish. serving it right now? Um, we're working on an eel cacciatore. Uh, you know, the idea was like, what if we took veal dishes and put eel instead, like eel marsala, right, or uh, eel parmesan. So we, we ended up with eel cacciatore. Oh my god, that's fabulous! Uh, it, everything starts with the name, right? So, right. so <laughs> ended, we ended up with eel cacciatore. Okay. Um, so does eel hold up well with a heavy tomato sauce? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, okay. it's super duper good, man. 
Fascinating. Very good. You know, we used to catch eel in Rock Creek Park, and my father would cook them up. I mean, everybody was like, ew, but they're delicious. They're they're very good. Okay. They're so much. You, you can almost not cook the moisture out of them. Wow. All yeah. right. Cool. All so, right. Go ahead. Well, I just want to, I mean, we should really talk about the kind of reviews the restaurant's gotten, because we can sit here and make big noises about it. Well, he just got it. a huge review. You just got a huge review. I mean, this is a place absolutely not to be missed, and you are to be, we love you. Thank you. Congratulated. You were at Six Engine for a long time. You took that. He's restaurant. still with Six back. Engine. I know, but I mean, you're not cooking at Six Engine, and that's over. No, on... but he's placed the people at Six Engine who are executing his Why? menus you know at Six Engine. You are driving me nuts. Can I, I just finish this okay. sentence? Anyway. I just wanted to be. I just wanted to be accurate. <laughs> Does anybody out there understand Oyvey? All right, just let me. Finish. Anyway, so the point is, I mean, it's really great to see because Six Engine's a great restaurant, a lot of fun. You see, you go from that to, to Salt Line, and Salt Line is, is such a, I mean, it's, it's so just pretty. a top-line place. Yeah, it's a massive uh, change, definitely. Sure it is. And um, the reviews have been amazing. I, every day, I, I can't believe it. I wake up. I'm like, I, You're um, living the dream. I can't believe it. Uh, you no, roll it's, over it's and say, hey, Tiffany, look at this one. <laughs> After all her good reviews. Buttercream well, Bakery on 9th Street. to be fair, <laughs> she is doing the desserts at yes, Salt yeah. Line. That's so. right. And, and she's definitely informed the menu more than just desserts. Her stuff is awesome, Well, because too. she has an opinion. <laughs> all right. So we got to wrap up. we got to wrap it. up. Tell everybody where Salt Line is, and don't let Nikki interrupt you. We are uh, 79 Potomac Avenue Southeast in D.C. If you uh, find the baseball stadium, we're right uh, between that and the water. Excellent. All right, man. All right, thanks, thanks for coming here. All right. All right, Keith Gordon. Hi, Keith. Step up to the You're microphone. You're like the only person we don't know today, so don't uh, feel, know, but we know I, you I now. I don't know Keith, but I know of his operation. Of Keith course. is the COO of Fight for Children, mm -hmm. which is a charity started by Joe Robert many years ago to raise money to help. Actually, originally it was to provide uh, reading materials for underprivileged kids in the D.C. school system, correct? Right. Well, actually, Fight for Children was mm -hmm. formed after Fight Night. Fight Night, yep. which is the massive event that we've been doing now in our 28th year, so so 27 years ago. Um, and Fight Night was a way for Joe Robert to get his very wealthy friends involved in um, in a night of, let's just call it... Uh, Debauchery. <laughs> Debauchery. <laughs> yeah. uh, back then, I, I think that was an accurate description, but it was really a way to get a lot of very well-connected and very wealthy people into a room for a great cause, and that was helping children. And how did DC. I get into the room? That's the I question. I don't know. That is a good There's question. There's always a back door somewhere. Mm -hmm. No, no connections. Okay, Poor again, security. I don't yeah. know if that's the phrase no, we right. want to use. But but why don't you explain quickly what, I mean, you know, the, the, the whole mission of Fight for Children. Please. Sure. So as I said, we've been around about 28 years, and the majority of that time we've really focused on helping kids from low-income communities um, all along the K-12 through spectrum. And really, um, the last couple of years, we've focused on early childhood education. It's been a big focus of the administration in D.C., uh, primarily because the, uh, about 10 years ago, uh, Mayor Adrian Fenty and Michelle Reed took control of the school system. Mm -hmm. um, following that administration, Vince Gray really started the focus on early childhood as a way to uh, <coughs> fix the systemic issue of education reform in D.C. And so D.C. has really been leading the country for the last 10 years um, in terms of early childhood education. And has Muriel Bowser taken up the baton with that and Absolutely. run with it? In fact, uh, Mayor Bowser has been fantastic. She's actually pushed the starting age, um, which used to be three- and four-year-olds, um, all the way down to the prenatal side. So now there's this spectrum of prenatal care, um, zero to five, uh, mm -hmm. as they call it, and then, of course, everything. I heard there was a fetus that could read now. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> no? okay. So I guess my question is, is how do you get 
in with these disadvantaged communities? How do you get in? How do you build the trust? And how are you able to help them? Well, it really is about building trust. And I think, you know, over 28 years, we've built a lot of trust. We've we've been a catalyst for education reform in the city, mm-hmm. um, not only supporting the mayoral control, but also uh, supporting the start of um, the charter school movement when it was very unfashionable. Mm-hmm. Um, we work directly with leadership in schools. We feel like um, a great school runs like a great business. If you have a CEO who's in charge and listens to their employees and develops a good culture, everything else runs like a well-oiled machine. Okay, on that, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about the event and these fabulous sandwiches. Nobody is eating the sandwiches. That's starting to make me, like, upset. Um, This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We are celebrating nine years, and Fight Night will be back in just a bit. Back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Just want to thank ProFish, the market at River Falls, Central Farm Markets, Meat Crafters, and Celebrity Cruises for sponsoring this show. Mm-hmm. That's all good. Let's get back to Keith Gordon and talking about Fight for Children and Fight Night, which is an awesome moment. It's like something out of The Great Gatsby, frankly. Uh, why don't you take it from the top and tell everybody what Yeah, but is it is. modernizing a little bit, or it is it is. still back like The Great Gatsby? Well, let's just say Fight Night was based off of an old smoker. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we still do have the only cigar exemption in the city. Right. Um, which makes it a bit unique. But we also have evolved over the years and where it used to be really a guy's night out. It used to out. be only men. Right. Women were not men. allowed. I mean, women were allowed, but not uh, to sit down. I think right, they were hostesses. I'd say yeah. that women were probably not. Um, well, they weren't invited. <laughs> you could say it. <laughs> Uh, but I'm proud to say that in the, in the few years since I've been with the organization, we've seen a turnover, and we now have about 25% uh, female audience. And mm-hmm. the nice thing is it really reflects leadership in D.C. because this event is about leadership coming together for a great cause and networking and doing all of these great things. And, and it reflects what leadership in Washington, D.C. and the greater metro area looks like okay. at this moment. Now, so we have all these delicious sandwiches in front of us right now. So tell us about this collaboration and what you guys are doing with it. Well, I'll have to say, um, I wish that my my good friend Casey Patton were here today uh, mm-hmm. to, to talk about it. But Casey's story is not uh, unlike some of the other stories we've heard. Where no, he's been in studio. We know Casey. So, so his um, his start on H Street um, and and his commitment to DC, uh, you, you all know. I mean, he started on H Street when H Street was really just like starting. Right. And so he's always wanting to give back to the community that that has supported and served his, um, you know, his growing business over the years. And so Mm -hmm. I met Casey a couple of years ago um, through a a different group that we belong to in YPO. And we just started a friendship and um, we thought, hey, you know, what a great way to help kids. Um, Let's do a promotion where we can actually get a lot of visibility around the cause, around the organization and do it in a fun, delicious way that people mm-hmm. can actually, you know, instead of writing a check to go to fight night, not everyone can afford to do that, but you can go in and buy a sandwich. You can go in and buy some cookies. Very easy. Um, you can do it for a week out of the year. And we can also pull in some celebrity chefs like we have. Eric Bruner Yang. Yeah. And just have fun. I mean, that's the name of the game. Make it easy, make it fun and do some good. Well, so, um, so all the proceeds from just this sandwich, mm-hmm goes to all the proceeds go to fight for children and the mm-hmm. programs that we run in dc with uh, what's the goal how many sandwiches well the goal geez uh i mean <laughs> if i'm being ambitious i would say i want a million sandwiches in one week but uh-huh. uh but i know that that's probably well, they have a lot of places yeah well and i think for us it's it's not just about the sandwiches sold it's also about how many conversations <laughs> we can start around around this type of uh of event uh, two weeks ago, we did our first ever Fight for Children week, and we had a lot of other restaurant partners that supported us. That would not have been possible mm-hmm. had Casey not supported us a year ago. Right. Well, let's talk. We've got a couple of minutes left. Let's talk about where the money actually goes, like what, what, what right, programs and how it, how are actually funded and launched in the schools. So we actually run a program called Joe's Champs, and we've been in as many as 30 schools um, 
We work with about um, 60 school leaders. Um, we work with dozens and dozens of school teachers. And essentially, it trains um, people that work with, or with children from age three to eight to understand how the stress of living in high crime, high poverty areas affects children and how... I mean, you would think that would be a no-brainer for people to understand, but they really don't. Well, there's there's a lot of things people don't understand about children uh, who live in high uh, high poverty areas, and uh, something as simple as as a word deficit. I mean, mm-hmm. children by the age uh, by the time they turn age three, they've heard on average 30 million fewer words than kids in high income uh, areas like Northwest DC. Is that because nobody's Southwest. reading them books? Is that because they're not in social situations? It's a combination of everything. It's also Even because the people around them don't have big vocabularies. They, they don't. They, they don't use words that, um, that you might find other people in different areas using. And mm-hmm. just even overhearing things. Uh, I mean, so, so you have the word gap. You also have differences in the food that they consume. Sure. You know, a lot of kids don't get the nutrition. They just don't see the fresh nutrition in the assortment and have right. access to those things in those areas. So, so is uh, that something you're working on as well are you working because there's so many organizations who are trying to get fresh produce that are trying to you know right. whether it's fresh farm markets or um or martha's table martha's table there's so many or or dc central kitchen there's, right oh. there's so many uh i feel like organizations that are trying to work with the restaurant industry or work with farmers markets as a way to get fresh food or healthy food in these um you know desert areas that are underserved that's absolutely right and uh, you know unfortunately what you see what you've seen here historically in the city is, is gentrification and mm-hmm. gentrification has not yet Which made its way. Out. Exactly. And on the other side of the Anacostia River, things have really remained unchanged. Mm-hmm. So when you have groups like Martha's Table that not only do work there, but also are moving their headquarters there, mm-hmm. they're bringing in fresh food and, and fresh produce. They do their marvelous market. Um, but they're also educating about the benefits and trying to get kids at a very young age to sample things like vegetables and fresh produce sure. and fresh fruit. Well, that's why so many of these schools are starting, um, you know, gardens. And chefs are coming in and cooking at the schools right. and getting the kids excited because the kids come home and tell their parents, I exactly. ate a carrot today. I mean, exactly. maybe it'll translate. I mean, that's the no, hope. I mean, food. I mean, you've got it. It's happening, but it's incremental. That's Even the, the experience of just making something different, if you had the opportunity to sit down with one of these chefs and just assemble a sandwich, mm-hmm. that experience is very different than what they might see at home. Right. Sure. All right. We're going to have to move on. Actually, the show's almost over, but tell everybody about Fight Night and where they can still. There are a couple of tickets left, I understand. Right. Well, so Fight Night, it's November 2nd at the Mm -hmm. Washington Hilton. Um, It's like a full work day after a work day, Uh, 6 p.m. to about 2 a.m. Still black tie. We have a few tables left. Uh, We also have a party deck, which uh, if you're coming to Fight Night for the first time, it's a lower-cost ticket, but you get access to everything. We've got. Uh, is Knockout Abuse on the same night still? Knockout Abuse is the same night at That's the Ritz the Carlton, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to have mixed martial arts for the first time, which we're excited about. We have oh, the cool. rock band, um, the like Royal Machines, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and then we'll have an after party, and we have uh, a video DJ coming in that should just make the entire evening cool. uh, just incredible. Right. Where is the after party? Web address. It's the, the after party is also at the Washington Hilton. Okay, great. Website yeah. address is uh, fightforchildren.org. Mm-hmm. And you can find everything else uh, around the organization as well as Fight Night, that location. Great Thank you so much for coming in. All right. Thank you. All, All right. right. So, Chris, Chris, you guys are doing something called Cellar Under the Sea. And I saw that in the notes. What's that? <laughs> That's correct. Well, in 2010, um, some divers found a shipwreck with about 180 bottles of champagne that were oh around God. 170 years old. Okay. Off, this was off a Finnish archipelago called the Aland, A-L-A-N-D. And you just said a bunch of words that I will never be able to pronounce correctly. <laughs> what? Archipelago? So some of those bottles were found to be bottles of, of Glico from 100 and, 170 years ago. They were ago. in good shape? So they were 
from the winemaker, uh, one of the winemakers, uh, Gael Goosens, was in town earlier this week, and she described the experience of tasting the wines as life-altering, but in a not necessarily in the most uh, delicious way. Okay, what does so, that mean? But well, it means that they were they taste a little funky. However, they were still surprisingly fresh, considering how old they were, being aged for all those years underneath the sea. So, Clico has ended up dropping 200 bottles in the same depth in the same location and we've just to see just to see what's going on with that and then we've saved 200 of the exact same type of bottles uh, yellow label yellow label uh, 1.5 liters uh, vintage rosé and demi sec which is our sweet dessert wine and we're essentially pulling one or two bottles up every couple of years about 3 to 5 years to How far one, down is it? Oh, 100 and I want to say it's 143 meters. So is something it like the it's effect of the pressure or the cold? I mean, what do you think it is? That's what they're checking to okay, see. Okay, I think that's at, at that level, it's the humidity because it's a wet environment. Right. It's the exact same. And so uh, you've got that. So the, their wines are not drying out. In terms, there's no more, there isn't any uh, additional air exposure. And then you also have this, the pressure being down the same sure. same level as what's in the bottle of champagne. Well, next right. year at this time, it'll be our 10th anniversary. It'll be an appropriate time for you to bring one of those. Okay. I, will just her, I will ask her to bring <laughs> some Why on are next we trip. Popping next? I am just saying. So next up, we have the La Grande Dame Rosé 2006. And mm. what is different about this <laughs> is that we only make this when one vineyard in particular, the Clos Collin, it has uh, full ripeness of the Pinot Noir. So we only make this in the very, very best years. Excellent. Well, thank you. You can point All right. Out. All so right. Well, that's the, the show. show's almost over. It has been a pleasure having you all in today. It's also been a pleasure being here for nine years. I want to especially thank Andy Mitchell, who gets no credit usually. For Only being, when he laughs at David's jokes. He's being our. He's he's been our buddy behind the board for nine years, mm -hmm. and he is a hale and hearty fellow. Well met. Yes, and we want to thank all the people who have sponsored the show this year, as well as all of our guests. We've had an amazing year of shows. Um, today is just an example of what we do on this show every single week, and we want to thank you all for joining us. Next week is going to be no slouch either. We are bringing the entire team from Profish in, and the guys from Tony and Joe's, and is that Ivy John yeah, again, and Ivy up. City Tavern. And it's really going to be a fantastic show. So Another thank you for joining spot. us today. Cheers to everybody. And please have a delicious week. Bye.